Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right. I'm joined here today by Andy Bellavia for part two of our discussion. Andy is the Director of Marketing and Business Development for the Hearing Health Tech Division at Knowles Corp. Andy, great to have you on again today. How you doing? Doing fine. Thanks. I always appreciate talking with you, Dave, and, and sharing with your audience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we had a great first conversation. If you haven't heard it yet, it was the uh, most recent episode, but really what we were doing was to uh, sort of set the stage of where we are heading into 2020 uh, with the state of hearables, the rapid penetration of these devices led by AirPods and now the AirPods Pro, sort of like laying out the implications of what it means that hundreds of millions of people will soon own uh, a you know a hearable and what does that then mean when you have a device that is uh, not only capable capable of serving as a home for a voice assistant um, but serving as you know one of your main access points throughout the day and I think that you know in some of the conversations I've had with Andy it's a whole new way to think about voice first. It's a totally different context than when you're sitting on your couch at home, um, you know, with your stationary smart speaker or smart display. Now we're looking at more of the types of use cases that open up when you're out and about uh, or you're working out, whatever it might be, any situation um, where you have, you know, Alexa or Google Assistant or Siri in your ear as you're moving around. So let's start there, Andy. Um, you know, in terms of these new use cases, what's on your mind with kind of the way in which you see uh, these new experiences taking shape in this new context? Uh, it's it's really the challenge from this point going forward. You know, almost fertile ground for application developers. Now you have tens of millions of people walking around with things in your ears. What do I do with that? Mm -hmm. The first use case is the obvious one. I mean, it's music and podcast consumption, or eBooks. You know, mm -hmm. basically consuming audio content. That, in a way, if I can borrow, you know, the nomenclature Brett Kinsella used referring to smart speakers, those are the training wheels for hearable devices. Mm -hmm. Now people are walking around, they can play music, they can catch a podcast whenever they want. What happens after that, though? Mm -hmm. You have people with something in their ears all the time. How do developers take advantage of that? I think there's a lot of really good ideas for how that comes about. Even within the consumption category, you see some of the music streaming services now developing voice interfaces for those music streaming services. So you can, you can call out playlists, you can configure the device, you, know, you can control it in different ways purely by voice rather than having to get the phone app out to operate the device. And I think that's only the starting point on where we can go. Yeah, no, great answer. I, I think uh, you're so right. It's like one of the things that makes hearables, I think, such an interesting product category is that they have this major legacy use case, which is streaming audio. And, you know, with the um, 
just the rise of streaming in general, like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, I would bet that the vast majority of people listening to this use one of those services or another streaming service to get their music. And then like the same is sort of following suit with podcasting. And to your point, I think that there is a lot of innovation that can be made just on the, the existing use case alone. Like I think podcasting in particular is ripe for much more efficient discoverability, uh, curation, and just overall ways in which we can share the content that is, you know, basically being published and, uh, you know, consumed. Um, but we can do it in, in different manners in the same way that sort of like the traditional web has been sliced and diced for the past, you know, 10, 20, 30 years to the point to now where you have like the meme culture that we have today. So I think that you could see that kind of making its way to a audio-based internet, uh, which hearables obviously play a really large role in. Um, so talk to me about what you see as being, uh, like, I know you've talked about some of the different geolocation examples. So go into a little bit of detail around how you see geolocation in particular being a really good example of how to think differently about voice plus hearables. Yeah, geolocation really opens up a different universe versus the stationary smart speaker. If I'm mm -hmm. walking down the street and I stop in front of a restaurant, my voice assistant can know where I'm at. And if I pause there, it could proactively ask me, would you like reviews of restaurant so-and-so? Uh, oh, by the way, the next reservation available is at six o'clock, you know, this sort of mm -hmm. thing. So it can be very proactive with geolocation. Or I think about public transit. Because I travel globally, I use public transit in many places when I'm in cities. And I'll get my phone out and either, either you know, Google Maps will have some or like Shenzhen, for example, is not in Google Maps, but there is an app for it. Mm -hmm. I have to take out the app and use it. Now you start to think about, well, I'm walking down the street. I simply say, hey, I want to get here, you know, by public transit. Okay, and you get walking directions to the nearest station. I might want to say, let's say, you know, I'm uh, mobility impaired. Uh, where's the nearest public transit station with an elevator? Mm -hmm. So lots of different ways you can go in that regard, all by voice, so that my hands can be full. Or if I'm mobility impaired, I don't need to use my hands. I don't have to operate an app. I can simply get those directions 100% by voice. And even so, the voice instructions for walkers uh, will be different than the voice instructions for drivers. So you'll have a different hearable voice experience and navigation while you're on foot. Yeah, no, I think those are great examples. I love that one um, that you mentioned at the beginning with the, you know, you're walking by a restaurant and that, that to me is such a clear, uh, a clear anecdotal example of like the world of sonic branding that I think we're going to need, which is you're going to need to indicate to the user that that, prompt if you will is available so you know you might hear a subtle chime like i'm thinking on my apple watch you know the way in which it uses haptics um it's like i think there's going to have to be a lot of thought put into how do you subtly alert people to information that can be accessed you know like they can pull it up um when it becomes available based on their geolocation. So you're in proximity of this restaurant and you get some sort of notification or you can proactively call it up on your own, uh, which will then 
give you some sort of insight around whether it be, you know, you want to book a table there, like you mentioned, um, it might give you a review. Uh, you could lay, layer, you know, social insights into this so that, you know, it's linked to like your Instagram and it can give you a synopsis of what your friends have to say or something like that, that have posted a picture in there. So you kind of get the idea that like we can take everything that we've done in the traditional web and then now we can start to find creative ways to make it a more ambient audio type experience. And I think the other piece that you made or the other point that you made around the geolocation accessibility and transit, I think is a really interesting point, especially around the transit piece, because I think that, you know, it's like um, the CTA up in Chicago, uh, the Chicago Transit Authority, you know, there's an app and I'm sure there's an app for, you know, nine out of 10 of the different transit hubs around the country and not to mention all around the world um, that have some sort of insight into when the next train's going to be, when the next bus is going to be. And so it's like, how as a developer do you take that information and turn it into like a, a template almost to where you could just call it um, transit helper, you know, like that in itself could be a skill where you launch this thing and you ask it and it, and it identifies based on your geolocation where you are and you say, when's the next train? And rather than having, you know, just to your point, if I'm in Chicago for the first time, I'm not going to be real cognizant of what stop I'm at. But if I can just pull that thing up and just know that it's going to be able to identify where I'm at, and then it's going to pull in the information relevant to my geolocation so that it can feed me the next orange line train is in five minutes at your stop. That's where this starts to get really, really interesting. Um, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. I mean, because the CTA does have a bus track or it'll exactly. tell you the next, the next bus at this station is going to arrive in 10 minutes. Well, if my hands are full or it's 10 below zero, you know, it, I, exactly. my hands are full. I, I, you know, I can't get my phone out. And if it's 10 below zero, I don't want to take my gloves <laughs> off and get my phone out. Right. Exactly. I just want to be able to ask the question, Oh, the next bus is in 10 minutes. Well, I'm going to duck into that coffee shop over there for eight of them, you know? And, uh, and, you know, the thing with this too, is it's like, uh, when I talked to Catherine Prescott in uh, the first, you know, two episodes that I did, um, a, a recurring thought that I have with this stuff is, you know, well, you can kind of do this today. And the fact of the matter is, is that that's true to an extent, but we haven't really, I think, fully built these things out. Like, this is a good example of, you know, you could probably create like a series shortcut that would be able to give you something. But again, it's all going to be housed in that individual app. So if I have, it, it breaks down when I'm traveling, you know, like this transit example where if I live in Chicago and I'm constantly using the CTA app, I might be able to get that insight through more or less through my voice. But again, I think if you create things from the ground up that are, you know, specifically with this intention in mind where you're combining all of these various elements that make a hearable, a voice first hearable really attractive. Again, the geolocation and the contextual understanding of the voice assistant so that rather than, you know, being very specific minded about what, you know, like where you're trying to retrieve that information, you're actually more relying on the assistant to go and get that information on your behalf. You know that you need to direct your assistant to get that information. So you need to say, open the, you know, transit helper or, um, you know, something that would allow for the assistant to recognize that you're trying to do something in regards to transit, but then it's going in and it's sourcing that information from the hundred different CTA like apps that are out there. 
um, that's where I think this starts to really make a lot of sense is it's not necessarily just like one-to-one app-to-app. It's more like your voice assistant as a agent on your behalf going and retrieving all of the different type of insight that you're actively trying to do today in the legacy method, which is mobile and the mobile web and, and so forth. Yeah, you're right. And, and as, as voice assistants get more AI-oriented, more conversational, you're going to see more of that happening where you can construct more complex conversations uh, mm-hmm. seamlessly without having to call up individual apps or skills. Now, if you want to talk about applications that are you know, more immediately monetizable, we really need to talk about shopping. Yes. That, the shopping example you know, gained, uh, you know, gained a wider recognition when Amazon, uh, you know, when Amazon uh, demonstrated uh, Whole Foods, the shopping experience of mm-hmm. Whole Foods. And you can, you can easily imagine it. I've used the app. There's a, in the United States, there's a home improvement store called Home Depot. And they have a mobile app in which you can voice query for something, and then once it, once it, once you you give the voice query, then it shows on the screen different options, and you can see which ones are in stock in your local store. You can select it, and it will even tell you where in the store it is. Mm-hmm. So there are there are stores who have the whole back end built, exactly. even though each Home Depot store is a little bit different than the other one. They have even the stock location. And so now if they finish the build out to a complete voice experience, I might walk in and say, where are the claw hammers? Yeah. They'll say aisle five, bin 32. And by the way, if you need nails, they're over in aisle Mm -hmm. six. And so you can be proactive about the experience, not only telling people where things are, but offer offering, you know, related items and so on. I love that so much because you're so, right about that. It's that the backend information's there. That's the key here is that even if the layouts are different, and again, this is kind of what I was trying to articulate with the transit map uh, piece is that you know that there's probably that backend information. So how do you do it in such a way where it's consistent? And the I think the identifier is your geolocation. Because again, if each store, if each Home Depot has its been identified in the store to where that item is in theory it should not matter what store you're at because your geolocation should represent that store and therefore it should identify to you regardless of what store you're at exactly what bin number it's in and then with the other piece that you mentioned i think that's fascinating because you know this idea of surfacing up additional items I think another really good example of this would be like in Whole Foods for particular, um, just because of the vertical integration that Amazon has. But you can imagine, you know, your, your voice assistant, as it becomes more contextually aware of your, you know, of you uh, and, and accessing other information that it can help to make more intelligent um, it can it can give you more intelligent insight on, you know, so if, for example, you know that you've indicated that you're going to be making a particular dish, when you walk into the store, you might have a brand in mind, and then your voice assistant, because it has registered that you're, you know, you're, you're in the store to compile the ingredients necessary for that dish, it's actually proactively notifying you of more cost-effective options just to consider. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a lot of creativity here. And, and, and sonic branding plays a role as well. You mentioned yeah. it earlier, because if you're going to start to do, you know, advertising or suggestions in the store, 
then you have sonic branding opportunities as well. So you might, you might play a little bit of recognizable theme song, for example, when you're walking mm -hmm. by an item that's on sale. I mean, a specific brand, you know, a specific brand who's already created a sonic brand in their, in their radio and TV advertising spots could play a little piece of that brand as you're walking by the shelf, you know, and yep. by the way, this is on sale. Well, it's like, uh, you know, going back to the whole Apple AirPods Pro pieces, it's like you, you know, when we talk about this in a hypothetical situation, it's like, wow, that sounds like, really, I don't really want not like these chimes, endless chimes going off. But you can imagine something as simple as like a force sensor where you're kind of like toggling this thing on and off because there might be times where you do want that. I walk into the store and I want those chimes to go off because when I'm wearing my AirPods Pro in, you know, whichever store I'm in, I want promotional insights fed to me so that I'm making the most sophisticated buying decisions I can. So I think that like, again, this just goes back to this idea of how do we create not only from a hardware standpoint, but also from an ex experience standpoint, something that is very easy to sort of, um, you know, shift in and out of and it's not like you it's an all or nothing scenario you can you can mix these things together i think is a really interesting dynamic yes and, and advertising is going to be one of the hardest things to accomplish in mm -hmm. voice because it's very easy to get annoying but i think configurability will have something you know to add uh, in trying to bring advertising to voice for example i might walk in the store and i might say notify me when i walk near items on sale you know, or I might say turn notifications off because I just want three to three specific things and I don't want to be bleeped at while I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, so there are a lot of, a lot of different ways you could do this. And of course it does have to be subtle and it has to be what the user wants and not too annoying and too repetitive for things I'm not interested in, which opens up a whole nother can of worms around customization versus privacy. But I don't think we're going to go there today. Yeah. So as we sort of wrap up here, I mean, we could go on and on about some of the different use cases that we see. I think it's probably better just to direct everybody that is listening that's going to be at Project Voice to come to Andy and I's uh, panel that we're going to be holding, which is the emergence of hearables um, and just really going to be fleshing this all out. I mean, we're going to have a couple other people on the panel that I think folks will really enjoy to hear their perspectives of, as well. Um, but I think just all around, it will be great to um, to really talk through this and, and have a open discussion with the audience to, to really get a sense of like, what challenges do developers see in these scenarios? Do designers see? Um, and just get a better understanding of where everybody stands here, because I think it is a really, really exciting time, but it's also going to be uh, a there's going to be a, a lot of challenges associated with this new context. I'm really looking forward to that panel. I mean, so much has happened since we did the panel roughly six months ago at the voice summit that I think it's really going to be an interesting conversation all around. I do too. Well, awesome, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for everybody who tuned in and we will chat with you next time. Cheers. Bye everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.